Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 7. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for all those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks, foreigners will work your fields and vineyards, and you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations, and in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion, and instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. I'll drink to that, man. That is something. Sorry. That wasn't planned. I didn't mean to start like that. Um, uh, Well, how are we? Are we good? You look great. I'm excited. Um, Let me tell you a story first. Um, I I woke up a couple couple years ago, normal morning. I was going to hoop, going to get a little run in, and uh, I did something I've never done in my entire life and something I forever regret. And if you're a basketball guy and, or a person, or if you're not, I'm, I'm sorry for this illustration, but I followed my shot. Does anybody know what that means? Are you tracking with me? I never did that in my entire life because you got it when, you, when you're a shooter, you shoot, and every time, make or miss, you backpedal, bro. You just get that backpedal. You just get it on. Okay, you never, you never follow your shot. That's like praying for perspective, basically. Whenever you follow your shot, you're like, I'm going to shoot it, but I don't know if it's going to work, you know? I just don't believe in that. So I never followed my shot except for this one time, and my body regretted it immediately. Okay? It, was, it was not trained to do that, I don't think. It never had done that movement in its entire life. So I went to go follow my shot, and my foot just stayed on the ground. You know what I'm saying? I tore my Achilles. Okay? It just popped. It was done. It was, it was the first moment in my life, too, where I was like, I'm, I'm no longer a child. Okay? I'm no longer a kid, and it's over. It's downhill from here, unless the Lord restores the, the years of my youth, you know? So um, anyways, I tore my Achilles, and uh, actually it was when I first started coming to Trinity, I was rolling around in a scooter, okay? So you guys met me, some of you, on a scooter. So I had to roll around in a scooter for a good, like, three months. I was in a cast and a boot, all this stuff. And uh, if you've ever experienced an injury like this or even a wound, there's something that happens. Uh, People start to accidentally, like, bump into you, Okay. (laughs) especially with a scooter, bro. It's so inconvenient. Like my foot is just out there like begging people to bump into me. Okay. It's also super hard to be cool on a scooter. You got to try, you got to, you got to really up the swag when you're on the scooter. Okay. But I was on the scooter and this happened so many times. I'd be on my scooter. I'd be going to like Bible study with people and uh, somebody at the coffee shop would like bump into my foot and uh, I would snap on them. I would lose it. Okay. I'm not going to lie. Something happened to me. I'd be like, what have you, do you have eyes? Like I would just freak out. Okay. 
which if you know me, like I don't even honk at people in traffic, okay? Like I, I know it's even a safety thing. I just don't really do it because I don't, don't want to make them feel bad for whatever they're driving, okay? So that's, that's unlike me. But when there's a wound or a pain, like you ever had an open cut or a splinter that gets infected and something happens, it hits it or bumps up against it, and your response is like totally disproportionate to what it should be, right? That's what happens with our wounds. And if it's true in our bodies, I want to say this morning that we have wounds that are in our souls that we live from. Almost everything in our life that is broken is living from our own woundings, Okay, even Christians here, we we live out of our woundings. People build businesses and lives and projects and all these things out of trying to heal some kind of wound or maybe they're not even aware of this wound. But we end up living out of these wounds where Jesus invites us to live out of the overflow of his love. And that sounds great. But most of us, we end up living out of some kind of hurt, some inner pain that has never been dealt with. And but what I want to say this morning is in the same way that I'm walking around today, healed, (laughs) no longer in a scooter, no longer in a boot. I got a thick Achilles and I got a thin Achilles now, okay? There's some scar tissue up in there. There's healing for us. I really want to say this morning, you don't have to live that way forever. There is hope and there is healing for us. And Jesus has it for us. And so this morning, that's what I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about our wounds that we carry why we have some of these wounds, and then ultimately look at at Jesus, who promises in the passage that we just read to bind our broken hearts. So let's pray, and then we'll get into it. Lord, we thank you even just for the testimony of Jesse, and we ask that you would use that testimony to stir our faith this morning, that you would do what this passage says, that you would replace our despair with hearts of praise to the things in our heart that feel like ashes, that you would restore those things to the beauty that we were designed to live in. I even just pray for courage to trust you this morning. Anytime we talk about wounds, I I, I sense that, like I don't want to go there. And um, if it's not in the timing to do that, Lord, we don't want to do it, but we do just ask for the courage to hear your voice and your invitation to follow you as our healer. Amen. 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 Well, every good leader, every good movement is basically only as strong as its vision, right? Like every, every, good, every good leadership talk, if you ever hear anything, it's always like, cast the vision. If you don't have a good vision, you're going nowhere. It's like where even people who aren't Christians, they'll go back to that proverb. They're like, yo, without vision, the people perish. That's what the Bible says. And you're like, bro, you're not even a Christian, but we know that we need vision, right? We love vision. We need vision. Even Dallas Willard, one of the greatest teachers on the soul of our own formation and how we become who we want to become or how we become the things that we don't want to become. He, he basically breaks it down into three movements. He said, but first he says, is your vision. He calls it the vim. This is free. This isn't even part of the sermon. But your vim, your vision for what you want, then the intentions, and then the means to get there. But he starts and he says, you can't graduate past the vision. You have to have an idea of who you want to be, of what you want in life. And so I even want to start this morning with, if I can, a little bit of Jesus vision casting. All right, is that okay? Can we start with little things that Jesus, if he was a great leader, CEO Jesus up here in front of the people casting vision for what your life can be? Let me just read a couple. John chapter 10. Jesus says this. He says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says this. This is Jesus vision casting. I've come 
that you might have life, that you might have a full life, everlasting, abundant life. That's why I came. So if you're just even wondering this morning, like what, what, was, the, what was Jesus' purpose and mission? It was to give you life, the abundant life. Zoe is the word. It has this overflowing effect that it is just f- so full that it just drips out of you. Don't let me talk about these baristas up in here pouring me too full of a glass that it spills out all the time. Okay, I want it three quarters full so I don't spill it because if it's full, it overflows. And I want to, <laughs> people are like, yeah. All right. But that's the life that we were designed for. You were designed to have full life. You were designed to live in an overflow. Is that your experience? People ask me, like, Cam, how you doing? Like, oh, bro, you ever read Psalm 23 where David's like, my cup overflows, that's how I'm doing, you know? Is that, how you li- is that your current experience? I want to tell you, that's what Jesus has come to give us. That's what he's come to give us, full life. John 15, Jesus concludes his uh, in-depth, maybe most personal, relational teachings to his disciples in John 15. And he finishes with this. He says, these words I've spoken to you, everything I've said, that your joy might be full. What's the vision for your life from Jesus? Fullness of joy. <laughs> Giggling, laughing, overflowing. How you doing, bro? I'm so good. <laughs> you know? Usually, we do, if anybody says that, I'm like, you're being fake. You know? That's usually how I respond. But that's the promise of Jesus. That's the vision. That your life would be full of joy. Last one, I got like, there's like 30, okay, by the way, I could just keep going. Galatians 5, this is, this is what Paul says. He says, for it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Why did Jesus set, set you free? Just for freedom. <laughs> why, why does, how does Jesus want you to live? Free. And he says that's why you don't want to, don't enslave yourself to another yoke, but walk in the freedom that you've been gifted by Jesus. What's his vision for your life? Freedom. That you would walk not in bondage. But in freedom, that's even what this passage says. I mean, I mean, you just walk through it. It's like going from the brokenhearted experiencing healing, the, the, the enslaved and those who are held in captivity experiencing freedom, those who are in darkness experiencing deliverance. And then he gives this beautiful image. He says to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair or heaviness. That's the life that you're being invited into, by the way. (laughs) Joy, fulfillment, the full life. And for many of us, that's just not our experience. (laughs) And I want to talk about even why that is. Because even as I'm saying that, some of you, it's hard to even hear that. It feels watered down. You're like, I've heard that, bro. That's nothing new. And I hope it's not anything new. And the reason we can't oftentimes is because of our wounds. We have this, this theory of, of, of fullness and wholeness in Jesus and freedom, but then our lived experience is far more familiar with bondage and struggle. Some of us have the vision even, and some of you, you've, you've been doing the right things. Like you've been like doing the stuff. <laughs> you've been reading your Bible. You've been podcasting your, 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 your little car out. You know, it's just like full of podcasts. All, I was about to say something else. Uh, your car is just full of pocket. Like your, your life is full of these things. You pray. You, you, as far as like spiritual disciplines go, you're like, you're crushing it. You genuinely believe that you're loved by God, but then there's, there's something that you just feel holding you back. And it's because we have wounds. We have things that have affected and broken our hearts. And Jesus has healing for us. 
He is healing for us. And so this morning, I'm going to get there a little bit in a little bit, but I want to talk about inner healing. And by inner healing, this is, this is, what I, this is from an author. He says this. He says, the, this is inner healing. Inner healing is the application of God's grace and love in those inner areas of our lives that hold us back from experiencing the abundant life that we're promised. It's healing the wounds that hold us back from experiencing all of it. And it's why Isaiah, even in this passage, we have to understand that. He prefaces everything else by saying, this is why Jesus came. He was sent. And just imagine that, Jesus being sent by God to bind up the brokenhearted. Just baseline this morning, that's what it says. It insinuates that you and I, we have broken hearts. That our hearts have been shattered and crushed that is, that is the language and the imagery that he's trying to, that there is something that was once, and just imagine a glass heart that just hits the ground and is shattered and broken. That is what he's saying. That's our hearts. And Jesus, sent by God, has come to bind it back together, to heal us. But the problem is, sometimes before we even get into our wounds, uh, we have to understand the thing that causes our wounds, and if I'm going to be super spiritual this morning, in minute nine of the sermon, we're going to talk about sin, okay? Sin is the reason that our, wound, that, our, that our hearts have been wounded. And sin, I don't know what comes into your mind when you hear that word, because sometimes if we're unfamiliar with the biblical narrative of what sin is, it sometimes can be used as just another word or phrase to enslave you because of sin that you're struggling, bro, you know? You've got to fix your sin problem, and then the rest of your life will flow from you. But sin, it, it is far more robust than that. Um, I'm, I'm finishing up my seminary degree, and I have a class uh, once a month every Friday. It's like all day Friday. And this was my eight-hour class just this past Friday. It was, uh, it was on the doctrine of sin, okay? Eight hours just on sin. I was like, that's fun, you know? I would rather not, I, would, I don't want to spend my Friday any other way, bro, than just sitting in front of a Zoom call talking about sin with people. You know, it was, it was great, though. It actually was great. Um, anyways, but, but, but even as I say that, it's more robust than we think. Sin can be explained in a lot of ways. It can be explained as us just missing the mark of our moral perfection of what we were made for. It can be described as an evil force that has come into the world. It can be all the ways that we've wronged our good and perfect God and chosen to worship and devote our lives to created things rather than the creator. It can be us looking to meet our deep needs with our own resources. It can be us just giving our hearts to things that cannot satisfy or fulfill us. All of that summarized in the biblical narrative is sin. If I could even summarize it in another way, it would just be the name for what is wrong with the human soul. And you don't even have to be a Christian in this place today to acknowledge that there is something wrong in the human soul, is there not? You look inside of yourself and you look outside of yourself and you know there's, there's something off. And the reason for that, we would say, is sin. Sin is what separates us from God. It is missing the mark of our moral perfection, but it's even deeper than that. It's missing the mark of, our, of the life that we were made for. It's missing the mark of union with God, of flourishing of the life and the whole soul that we were created for. And so if you choose to call it sin or whatever you want to call it, there is a force that has come into the world and it has affected everything. And so it's sin that wounds us. Sin is what wounds us. And there's three different things I want to talk about here as far as the way that sin wounds us. One is just the sinful world that we live in. The atmosphere that we've been birthed into is underneath the curse of sin. We live in a Genesis 3 world right now where we experience the effects of sin. Every single day we experience it. It's like breathing in secondhand smoke, okay? You didn't even need to puff that thing. 
okay? But it gets in your lungs and it affects you. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Come on. Just, now, can we make a joke about sin? Can we, can I, can I, all right. All right. But it gets in you. It affects you. Even if you didn't take that cigarette and take the smoke, it affects your lungs. That's what sin is. It affects us. It's, it's things like getting into a car accident that wasn't your fault, but you experience the trauma of, of feeling the weight of two cars colliding, and it affects your soul. It's the, it's the effects of getting a phone call in the middle of the night that a family member is not doing well, and the trauma and the, and, and the weight and the wound that, 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 that you experience. You didn't do anything, and nobody else did anything. It's just we live in this world that creates and wounds us by sin. So we live in a sinful world. One, two, we've been sinned against. These are the wounds that are inflicted in us by other people. Parents, family members, friends, even strangers that have sinned against us. Sometimes intentionally, others just unintentionally. But sin doesn't play fair. The wound is the wound. The wound is the wound. And that's what some of you carry in here this morning. Some of us even totally unknowing that we have been wounded. But we've been wounded and we've been carrying it our entire life. Our whole life we've been carrying these wounds. It's, it's the things like the parent that made you feel like you were a constant disappointment. Many of us in here, your dads did not bless you or encourage you or hug you or tell you that you were loved. But they cursed you. And that wounds us. It's the sexual abuse suffered from someone who was supposed to be trusted. It's the boss who makes you feel small or insignificant. It's the friend who's lied to you or deceived you. Sometimes it's by actions. Other times it's by words. And if you just think of that proverb that says that, that life and death are in the power of the tongue. And some of you, you you've, got, you've had death spoken over you. And it wounds you. And in your, whole, in your heart that was meant to be loved and cherished and cared for, it was not. It was neglected and it was cursed. And so you're wounded by those things. And so we live in a sinful world. We've been sinned against. And then we, by our own agency and choices and will, we've committed our own sins. We've chosen other things other than God. Anything from sexual sin to being deceitful, even things like greed, or sometimes it's even a wound that's, that we've inflicted on other people. And oftentimes th these wounds that are self-inflicted, they grow in the, in the privacy and the darkness of secrecy. This is what a psychologist says. He says this, as long as you keep secrets and suppress information, you are fundamentally at war with yourself. You are at war with yourself. Your, your soul wants something, but you... you there's a, there's a darkness and a secrecy in it, and it keeps it hidden. And these are the wounds that feel like in your mind you know truth about God. I know I'm forgiven. I know I'm accepted. I know I'm loved. But in your heart, you feel rejected. You feel shame. You feel isolated. You can understand the truth of God in your mind, but it, has, it is so far from your heart, and you walk around with not your shoulders held back like a love child of God, but you walk around with your shoulders covered, hunched over. It creates a wound in us. So sin, it affects our souls. It, it quite literally wounds us and it has broken our hearts. And these things just hang around. They hang around. And some of us, I just said, we're living in our wounding. We're still there. We're still in our wounds. 
and it's holding us back. It'd be like this. It'd be like if I was, if I was a runner and I was training to do something, and I've been training everything. Like, I, I got my, my calves. I've just been doing calf stuff, and my quads are ready to go, and I've been, I've been like, really loading up. Everything is strong, but I got a torn hamstring. No matter, no matter what I'm doing, if that wound is not healed, if my hamstring is not fixed, it will always hold me back. And so many of us live that way. You got popping quads, but you got a torn hammy, bro. Come on, it's all right. I'm just trying to soften you up with all this wound talk. I'm just trying to like give it a little gentle. But we have those wounds that hold us back. And unless the wound is healed by Jesus, it will always hold us back. What's funny too is sometimes we feel, even Jesse said this in our story, I've tried a million other things. I mean, wounding isn't like a, I'm not even, I mean, you go to like a one, you go to one counseling appointment, what do they talk, I mean, it's like the first thing, right? It's, 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 it shouldn't like freak us out. They're like, all right, where, what's your family of origin? Why are you the way that you are? What's made you this way? And we get right into our wounds. But we go to a thousand other places except for Jesus to come and heal our wounds. And so we have these wounds and they hold us back. What's crazy too is these wounds can, can actually manifest themselves in our bodies, I heard a story of someone who, who uh, th- th- they were just talking about a, a lump. It was, it was a woman who, d- who discovered a lump in her breast. And uh, it was happening at the exact same time that two of her friends had moved away. They had moved away, and she was just like really struggling. And, 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 she, just went in, and she just went into a prayer time with God. And uh, rather than just being like, God, take this away, <laughs> or even saying, why, God, are you doing this? She just asked God, which is a great way to pray, by the way. <laughs> God, what are you saying about this? And she said that in, in the prayer time, he, he, he took her back to even her own abandonment and rejection issues that she struggled with her entire life. And he said, you know, this is, this is what's happening right now. The, the abandonment and rejection, you've never dealt with it, so here you're experiencing it again. It's actually manifesting in your body. And she walked through this, invited the presence of Jesus, went through some healing prayer, and within a week, it was gone. <laughs> Which you might be like, that's crazy. Except for shout out science, okay? Let me just talk about it for a second, okay? There's an entire book that has come out recently that people love. It's called The Body Keeps the Score. Has anyone heard of it? It's, <laughs> yeah. Whoop. Shout out that body keeping the score. All right. But the entire book is this psychologist's journey and research to experience how our inner wounds have affected our body. That there is heart disease and, and, and things that have, str- like just the ways that stress manifests in our own body, that we don't, we don't deal with trauma and wounds and it comes out in our bodies. <laughs> That's science. <laughs> and Jesus is saying the same thing. I, I need to get in to your wounds. And for many of us, what we end up doing is we just build these huge walls around our wounds, these protective measures, these self-protective ways that we just say, I don't want to let anyone in there. You can go here, 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 but not into this wounded area. And inner healing, the journey to inner healing is just, the, the first, it's just, it's just beginning to lower those walls and invite Jesus to be with you in your pain. And can I just say, there, I have really good news for you, that's exactly what he wants to do. <laughs> you don't have to convince him to do it. You don't have to be like, oh, Jesus, please, I know I'm so, I have so many, he's like, just, he's waiting. Revelation 3.20, just standing at the door and knocking. Just, just imagine that with your wounds. Okay, there is a door there, he's just standing, he's knocking, he's waiting, he's wanting, he wants to get in there. And we just have to lower the walls down and invite Jesus in. That's exactly what he wants to do. That is why he came. He came to bind up the brokenhearted. Jesus, 
I love this. Even in Matthew 1, the angel appears, and the first thing the angel says, it says, as she's talking to Joseph about Mary, he says that she will give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus, because he will save the people from their sins. And this word save is, uh, sometimes we shrink it down a little bit, but, but it's actually, it's, it's an interesting word. It's more holistic than you could ever imagine. It, it comes from the word sozo or sozo, if you want to be real Greek about it, Okay. But, but, but it encompasses more than just him forgiving or justifying us. It's him saving, healing, and delivering us. So even in Matthew chapter 9, like there's, the, there's a story of the woman who has the bleeding problem, and she sees Jesus walking along, and, and she has this thought that says, maybe if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. That's the exact same word, okay? She's saying, if I can just touch him, he will, he will save me. He will heal me. He will deliver me. And it's used, it's used the same word that it says that he's meant to save us from our sins. It's used 14 other times as the word healing in the Gospels. And all I'm trying to say with that is that Jesus came to heal you from the effects of sin. He came to heal those wounds. Sin has affected you and wounded you, and Jesus has come <laughs> to heal those things. That's what he's come to do. He's come to sozo you. Even the passage that uh, Jeremy read last week. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal, will sozo the sick person and make you well. It's what he wants to do. Even, I'm just reading through, through some other passages, and you're like, wow. Anyone who, will, who wants to save their life, anyone who wants to save their life must lose their life. It's the same way. Anyone who wants their life to be healed and whole, you must let go of some things to surrender to Jesus. That's what he wants to do. Or like when Zacchaeus, when Jesus is celebrating, he says, salvation has come to this house today. What does he mean? It means healing. Wholeness has come to this man. What did he do? He just gave away all his possessions. He's like, yeah, he's been healed. That's what happened. Salvation has come. There's inner healing that has happened. Freedom has come. And so I just want to even just, just say this morning that Jesus, even the early Christians, they called him the doctor of the soul. He is the great physician. He's the one who said, I came for, not for the righteous, not do I have all their stuff together, but I've come to bring healing. And he's a way better doctor than we could ever imagine. I mean, when I got my Achilles done, I mean, bro was like, and he just knew what to do. I'm like, yeah, so I tore my Achilles. He's like, yep, that's what it looks like. I'll sew that right up and send you on your way. You know, it's just straight transaction. Like, here you go, dude. Like, didn't want really, I was like, you want to talk about anything? He's like, I'm, I'm, I'm handling it okay. Like, it's some grief, I'm, I'm processing the grief of not playing, but he's like, dude, I don't care. I just want to heal the Achilles and send you on your way, you know? Which is great. <laughs> He's like, talk to a therapist or something. I was like, all right. But Jesus is a totally different physician. He's a totally different doctor. Right. Hebrews says that he can empathize with you in every single way. So he's the doctor who you bring that, 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 that pain, that wound to, and he doesn't just say, all right, here, here's the three-step process to getting rid of that thing. Do this, do this, do that. It's not at all what he does. But he looks you in the eyes he says, yeah, I know that. I know that pain. I know that hurt. And the tears that you cry, he cries them right with you. And then he says, and I have healing for you. <laughs> it's not transactional, it's relational. And so I'm going to give some practicals here in a moment, but, but Jesus, the one who empathizes with you in every single way, but he doesn't just stay there either. He's not just like, all right, that's good, man. But he has healing for you. He can actually make the things that are broken whole again. And so what does it look like, inner healing? 
Let me just say the, the, the definition one more time. Jesus healing our inner wounds, it's this. It's the application of God's love and grace in those inner areas of our lives that hold us back from experiencing the abundant life that we're promised. And so there's normal Christian life. There's sanctification. There's just like the walking with Jesus over time that we become more whole, that we walk in our spiritual formation and disciplines and we just follow the teachings of Jesus. And over time, he, he, he actually does heal us. But this is a little bit different. This is Jesus coming into a specific thing in our life and bringing healing to it. The thing that we carry, that he actually wants to look at that exact thing. And so there's the way to inner healing. And this isn't necessarily a therapeutic exercise. It's not just us, like, kind of like I just said, it's not just us, like, crossing off some boxes and checking some things and saying, all right, here, if you just do this, this, and this. But it is Jesus himself that brings the healing. He brings the healing. It's an encounter with Jesus that heals us. It's an encounter with Jesus. Even, even as we walk through that series, the encounters with Jesus, never was it transactional, you know? Every single time he stopped, he had a conversation, he slowed down, and he walked through whatever it was with that person. Even when people just wanted the tra transaction, even that same woman who touched the hem of his garment, he, he, he turned around, and he looked at her, and he talked to her. And not only was her problem, but, but she experienced the inner healing of it as well. Are you, are you tracking with me? But there are some things that we're invited to in this journey. And so, 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 so some, just some pathways and some invitations for you as you consider what it is that you long for for healing. I just want you to consider for a moment, what is the thing in your life that you feel like holds you back the most? Is there a wound in your life that is holding you back? As you consider that, even just, here, here's a couple just invitations for you. One is just a posture of humility and confession. That is the primary way that you just invited. That is, that is us taking the walls down. It's us agreeing with God and saying, you can, you can come. You can come into this place. You can come into this place that I've been um, holding on to for so long. It's oftentimes our own like religion and self-righteousness that holds us back from healing. Even when you think about what Jesus says about him coming, he says, I came not for the righteous. Okay? So we won't experience any healing in our self-righteousness. You won't. You will only experience it in your need and dependence. That's what he says, that he didn't come just for the self-righteous or for the righteous, but I came for the sinners. I came for those who were sick. And so even step one is just acknowledging our own sickness. It's saying, I need healing, which is confession. It's to confess. It's to, it's to agree with God that I need your healing. Whether it's a, a sin thing that I've committed, whether it's something that's been done against me, whether it's just saying I've been affected by the world, it's just confessing and agreeing with God. He's come for the brokenhearted. Two, I got three here. So if you're writing notes, rarely do I have great three-point application, but here you are today in the name of Jesus. There's one, confession, humility. You can do a slash in between. That's how it looks on here, okay? Two is just is forgiveness. And this one is really heavy and hard, but let me even explain what forgiveness is. Forgiveness, in, particu in particular to those things that we've been wounded by, the things that we've been sinned against, and forgiveness is, let me just explain a couple things. Forgiveness is not letting an abuser get away with the offense. It's also not reconciliation in the way that has to do with once I'm fully reconciled to a person. That's not necessarily, that's a great thing, that, but that is the fruit of our own inner forgiveness. That is not the thing that we are to do. 
But our own inner forgiveness is us releasing the forgiveness. And it is us trusting God with the justice instead of taking it into our own hands. Many of these things enslave us because we are trying to, it's in our own minds that it's it's on me to hold on to the justice. Otherwise, they will never get off the hook. And there's a wound that is manifested in your heart. And it clings to you. And all forgiveness is, is releasing that justice to Jesus. It's a choice to hand the wound we've been carrying over to God and all the baggage that comes with it. Forgiveness, some authors say, is like a mustard seed. (laughs) That it's a small thing, but so many beautiful things are revealed, shown to us. I've heard so many stories of people experiencing profound forgiveness as they release things to Jesus, and all of a sudden it feels like the fog is lifted and they just can see clearly again. Because it blinds us. Forgiveness is also something you cannot do on your own strength. <laughs> forgiveness is not natural to us. Forgiveness is only, power, or is only possible by the power of the Holy Spirit. Forgiveness is what it means to walk in the way of Jesus. And it's something between you and God as you walk through and you process it. And again, it's not just a transaction. It's not just me saying something with my words, but it's me with Jesus. The healing presence of Jesus. Praying, talking, communicating, and then releasing forgiveness. Unforgiveness is one of the major wounds that we experience. So much inner healing ministry actually revolves around us releasing and and forgiving people. So one, confession and humility. Two, forgiveness. And three, I've thought about a couple different things. Some people call it a divine exchange. Some people call it a a truth swap. Okay? So do whatever whatever feels cool to you. Okay? (laughs) But it's just exchanging lies for truth. And maybe that just feels like really elementary. You're like, yeah, bro, that's what they taught me like day one of Christian class, you know? But there's things that you've, you've believed about yourself and about God for your entire life that have been lies. And the Holy Spirit, it says he came to show us truth. He came to remind us of all truth. And so there are things, there are literally things right now that you believe about yourself that is a lie, that is a total lie. There are things that enslave you that are just lies, some of you, you believe you're unlovable this morning? And I literally want to say, that is a lie. <laughs> That's a lie. And sometimes lies, they fog our brains so much. And they've, been, they've actually become, they've been so a part of our life that we just, we've even said them a thousand times. That so much they've become a stronghold in your life. And we need to expose those things in the light and say, That's a lie. Jesus says that if you hold to my teachings, that the truth will set you free. <laughs> It's not just like objective, like, all right, let me just think about this truth for a second. But it's holding to it. It's clinging. It's looking at the truth in the face and looking at the lie and swapping some of those things. I mean, isn't that the beautiful imagery of the passage? Look at all the swapping language. The spirit of heaviness for the oil of joy. There's heaviness that you carry that is just a lie. Lies about your identity and who you are. Curses that have been spoken over you by people. And you need to process, process that in the presence of Jesus to hear his voice that says that is a lie. That there is truth for you. It is holding it. And so as I close, even this morning, I just want you to consider what is, what is that thing? I just believe the Holy Spirit's even bringing things to, to our own minds right now. Is there a wound? Is there something in your own heart that, you, that is holding you back? 
Let me ask it this way even. This, this is the way that a lot of inner healing ministries, they, they say, what is, the, what is the one thing that you want to leave in the room today? And do you believe that Jesus can actually heal that thing? I'm even talking this morning. I have a, t- like I have a story. I- I've been so riddled with insecurity for so much of my life. And can I tell you, I-, I, used to even, I used to be like spiritual brag about it all the time. Like, well, you know me, I'm just insecure, you know, whatever. It- and it was cool. People were like, ah, okay, I'm so humble. It was fake. I was super insecure. I was not confident in myself. I was so afraid. I had social anxiety walk around, always thinking about myself. But you know the promise, of, this is Psalm 34. This is the, the, the promise of Psalm 34. He says this, I sought the Lord and he answered me. And he delivered me from all my fears. And then he says, those who look to the Lord are radiant. And can I just say, like, I, I'm just, I still got my own stuff. Like, don't let me humble brag anymore, okay? But I, I feel free. The Lord heals us. He can. I, want, I mean, if you have social anxiety in the room today, I want you to you don't have to live like that forever. He can set you free. He really can. And so what's the thing for you this morning? What is it? What is the thing that holds you back? What's your hamstring that's just, ugh? I can't experience everything. I just want you to say, Jesus wants to heal you. He wants to, and he can. Let's pray. If you would, if you just open up your hands with me as we pray. Um, Holy Spirit, you know us way better than we know ourselves. You know our stories. And uh, you've been with us, Jesus, every second, every moment of our entire life. You're the one that made us. Some of us have felt rejection since the time of our birth even, and, and that's just a lie that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that you knit us together in, in our mother's womb. And so, Jesus, the one who made us, the one who formed us, we just ask that you would speak to us. Some of us even have an idea of what wound we would like to, but you have something entirely different. So I just ask, Holy Spirit, would you just reveal things to us, speak to us? And I ask for courage, Lord, to just just look at you. I just pray that we would sense your face right now looking at us. Even if it's just looking at a wound that we haven't dealt with in a really long time, I just ask, Lord, for the courage to to bring it into your presence, even right now. You can do more in a moment than 10 years of our own discipline or our own actions, Lord. You can do more right now, even in this moment. And we ask, Jesus, that you would replace every lie with the truth that you've never left us that you love us, that you delight in us, like Jeremy said. And so we just ask you to keep coming, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, speak to your children. We surrender these things to you. If there's forgiveness that needs to be released, Lord, I just ask for the grace to do it. Can't do that in and about ourselves. We just ask, Holy Spirit, release the grace and the power to be people of forgiveness and freedom. In Jesus' name, amen.